0: Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here, and we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent, and yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids.
1: We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a
0: coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I'm Elaine, and this is... And we are the co-founders of Impact Parents and thrilled to be here with you and with our guest today, Adrian Harrison. And you'll find all of his info and bio in the show notes. But Adrian, why don't you start by introducing and letting us know a little bit about the work you do with Families of kids and how you came to be doing this work. We first met you when you were doing a middle school summit, if I recall. So how'd you, how'd you get
2: into this realm? That's right. Yeah. So I am the founder and CEO at a company called SmartCourse.io. And we are focused on solving all the problems of caregivers of kids with special needs, as well as the problems of the kids themselves so that they can all become successfully independent. And uh, we met when I was running our first virtual summit called the ADHD in middle school summit which focus purely on helping parents of kids with ADHD throughout the middle school years, which tend to be particularly challenging. And uh, that has since grown, now our fifth iteration coming up. For so, all different types of audience. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, why a summit, right? Is this sort of what what made you well, do this? Or why ADHD? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay. Great question. So, my upbringing in school was particularly challenging. I went to a French school, and all of my best friends and I struggled immensely because we're just misunderstood and had a really hard time meshing with this very strict school culture. Um, which is very different than the American school structure. And so I spent pretty much every single day in the Dean's office and eventually got to the point where I uh, got along with my middle school Dean who was very understanding of what we were going through. And we became very close. uh, And we started talking about, you know, what was wrong with the education system and how we should fix it and what we should do in the future um, so that the future of education would look brighter for these kids. And You know, fast forward a couple of years, I switched schools to an American school and got to see what that education system was like. A couple more years, I went to study it in the UK and I got to see what the United Kingdom's education system was like. And all the while, I'm thinking about the pros and cons of each of these and how I could improve it. And eventually came across online courses throughout my journey. I was passionate about three things entrepreneurship, long term travel, and revolutionizing the education system and um, so I knew that you know the way for me to be able to do something about the education system would be to start with entrepreneurship because eventually I'd be able to start a business or start something a movement nonprofit that would be able to, to do something about that and so I educated myself through online courses at a time when online courses were not considered normal or even yeah, safe. kind of like when we got started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. right. Exactly. And so, you know, I would pay a significant amount of money to these online instructors and people thought I was crazy. But what was really interesting to me was that the results of these online courses were guaranteed, meaning, you know, if I didn't, you know, like it or I didn't get the result that I wanted in like 14 days or whatever it was, I could get my money back. And that's when something clicked for me that that's what the education system should look like because I had just been coming from this perspective where i had seen 17-year-olds making decisions about getting themselves into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, if not like 400,000 plus in the U.S., which is absolutely insane. And their brain isn't even fully developed and they're you know making these decisions and they're being promised you know that they're going to get a degree and that degree is going to allow them to get a job and that job is going to allow them to pay off that debt. But that simply wasn't true for many of them. And so I thought, well, if we can make courses that are very, very specific and targeted to a particular type of person who has particular struggles, and we know what the solutions to those struggles are, then we'll be able to say, hey, like we know exactly what you're going through, and we know exactly where you want to be. And we've created this course that's going to help you solve those problems. And we're so confident in that that we're willing to guarantee it entirely. And so you can check out the whole thing. And if you don't like it, you get your money back. And we don't deserve your money if it doesn't solve the problem. That's what you're paying us for, right? And so that's how I initially thought of SMART course. I called up my middle school dean that I hadn't spoken to in many years. And I said, hey, figured it out. I wanna solve the education system starting for kids with special needs because those are the most disadvantaged and underserved. What do you think I wanna do with online courses? And he loved the idea. Then I found out that he has ADHD, no wonder. Um, He was the one that understood you. Exactly, exactly. And all my friends. And he also had two twin daughters, one with ADHD, one without. And so he got to see it from a parent's perspective. He got to see it from an educator's perspective. Mm -hmm. He got to see it from even like a health professional's perspective because he had to deal with all of them for his own kids. Um, So he was the best person for me to be talking to about it. And then from there, you know, just did a ton of research realized that the middle school years were, in fact, notoriously difficult, and that's how we started. And he, met, he was my first instructor.
0: That's beautiful. So you've been doing this for a few years now. What do you feel like you've learned that, that would be important for parents to know? Because you haven't been doing this for 20 years, but you've done a lot of research
2: that's gotten you to this point. You've made some nice traction in this world. What have you learned? Yeah, so, so much. And, you know, especially, so we launched during January 2020, right before the pandemic. And we knew early on, because I was coming from a tech startup background, that the solution to this problem and to get something to really scale and help anybody across the world with an internet connection knowing that you know, I'd been following space companies like SpaceX and NASA and knew that you know, over the next two years, so by like end 2022 or 2023, the entire world would be able to have access to the internet. And if everybody had access to the internet and there was a solid education system that allowed them to teach themselves effectively or treat themselves effectively, it, it didn't matter what amount of money you had or where you were from or what level of education you had, you would be able to do that. And so that was the vision and the goal for us starting out. And so what we learned is through that and coming at it, you know, from this technology background and trying to figure out, you know, what are what are the data points say about what is wrong currently? Like what are the problems that kids with ADHD in middle school are experiencing? so i spoke to tons of parents i spoke to tons of educators i spoke to tons of health professionals uh, i spoke to tons of experts including you two and um learned more and more about you know what were the struggles and we collected all this data and eventually found out you know there were a couple commonalities it's very very difficult to summarize that so i'll try my best here by saying you know we split it up into you know executive functions parenting Academics accommodations and homework, uh, relationships, spousal relationships, child sibling relationships, uh, parent-child relationships, relationships with the school, comorbidities, right? ASD, SPD, ODD, ABC,, yeah, XYZ. We with yes.
0: you? <laughs> so, so many, so right? many
1: things, and, right?
2: Right. And then lastly, you know, how the ADHD brain works, medications and alternative treatments. And so through that, right, we focused in on solving each and every single one of those with multiple master classes with experts like yourselves and over time realized, okay, so that's one of the problems is educating the parents so that they could better parent their kids. But we're also seeing that educators actually don't receive any training at all for special needs. It's one hour right. in their entire educational career for all special needs, which is which is virtually useless, right? I mean, it's so, so little time. Um, so and so I want so to pause you
0: for a second because it's a really major point you're making and I don't want to gloss over it. Yeah, That parents, when you're a parent of a complex kid, you make this assumption that your teachers know how to help your kid. You think that they've been taught how to help your kid because they're the experts with your kid eight hours a day. And it's, the truth is that most professional educators only get about an hour in their education that addresses all of these issues of executive function and learning disabilities and all of these other things we're talking about. So the truth is that most of our educators are no more educated than we are when they start this process of of educating our kids. Diane, what do you want to So,
1: yeah, no, what I want to do is kind of narrow us in because I, I hear kind of, Adrian the beautiful... Tapestry that you just described of all of these challenge areas and where I think I want to narrow us in is really school and the yeah. challenges with school. We were, to- we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the challenge between the school and the parent and the kid and that triangle that kind of gets created. And so I think the question is knowing that our school system is the way it is, right? And you were describing France versus England versus U.S. on some level, how do we summarize some of the core challenges and bring some insight into parents as to what they can really do about it?
0: And yeah. by that, by core challenges, I think you mean the challenges of that dynamic that the dynamic that, that dance between the, we're talking those three,
1: about. those three entities, the kid, the school, and the parent.
2: Yeah. Totally. And so it's really complicated to approach it from many angles. So I think it's it's going to be helpful to illustrate this with like an example person, right? So let's say that. We have Sarah. Sarah is your average mom of a child with ADHD that's going to middle school. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the, the child's name is Timmy. And Timmy has struggles behaviorally, socially, and academically, right? That starts to reflect in his grades. That starts to reflect in his behavior at school and at home. That starts to reflect in his homework and fighting with. his parents or his siblings at home, that's reflected in potentially a poor social life or impulsivity in the classroom, many different ways, right? And so the parents see what's going on at home, the educators see what's going on at school, and as you know, ADHD presents itself differently in different environments, so they already have different versions of reality, and this is where the problem starts, because Timmy has the same experience, but Timmy's parents, especially Sarah, her, his mom, right, doesn't have the same experience that Timmy's teacher does. So Timmy could be completely fine with homework at home, but, you know, completely unfocused in in the classroom. And so what ends up happening is when they have a meeting, the parent and the teacher don't see eye to eye. And so especially in the case where the parent believes that the child needs more support and the teacher doesn't, that starts to cause a lot of friction. Because now the parent is starting to get more and more anxious and worried about Timmy's performance. Eventually, to get out of middle school, get into high school, get good grades, and those grades are going to be looked at to get into college, and that is going to determine whether Timmy gets the job that he may want. And that's oh what my worries gosh, the all parents. the things like we're already we, in, we may call, call in that life. catastrophizing a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> But, but that's what it, the,
0: the situation is. That is that what parents, parents, yeah, it is. We do.
2: Exactly. And, and it's through speaking with these parents over the years that I realized that it goes directly there. Over these interviews with speaking to parents over and over again, I understood that the fears that they have are directly tied to whether their child's education is threatened because it's a clear link with whether they're going to become successfully independent eventually, right? And so even though it's middle school and all in all, the grades really don't matter that much there. Right. It's the yeah. training ground, right? And so if they feel like if the training isn't sufficient by the time they get to high school, that it's a big problem. And so well, I have
1: parents who like kept kids in first grade who say the same thing, it's like, oh my gosh, if they don't do okay in first grade, then what's it going to be? You know, it's so it's really easy to kind of get caught up in that clear path that we see from one to the other to the other, right?
2: Exactly. And, you know, especially in the middle school years, because In elementary, you usually have one teacher. You don't have to switch classrooms all the time. And so for kids with ADHD, it's much, much easier in that setting. But then all of a sudden, you get to middle school. Now they have multiple teachers. Now they have multiple things to organize. There's different homeworks for different classes. And all of a sudden, if you haven't built up any of those executive skills, it's going to be very difficult for you to keep up. And nobody's training them on this. Nobody's teaching them about how to do that. So. Well, you know, what we've learned,
0: the counter to that is that some of these kids, they're more interested when they get to middle school because they do have multiple teachers. And so they do rise to mm. But the point the point that you're speaking to, I think that's so important, is that we have to look for the lagging skills and go back and catch them up. Exactly. Wherever that is along the route. And it's going to be different for different kids for different reasons. Exactly, well,
1: And I think the other thing I want to be careful of, because we, I don't want us to get accused of teacher bashing, right? It's just sort of yeah. there are a lot of teachers out there that work really hard to understand these kids and to do whatever they can to accommodate and. Sure. The amount of information and education that's available to them is more limited. And
0: absolutely I think we well, haven't and talked about this. Yet. It's self-determined. It's self-determined. Those teachers are are those teachers because they've made the effort to learn it.
1: Maybe yep. because they have a complex kid, maybe not. Yep. And yep. I think the other piece we haven't really kind of talked about that I would love to venture into is that the, the goals of the school are different as well. I mean, schools are trying to tighten budgets, and they're trying. Exactly. Teachers are having to deal with so many different things and so many different balls in the air right now, and it's so it's hard.
2: So going back to that, and just to touch on that really quickly, right? Teachers have some of the hardest jobs out there. Like yes, it is extremely difficult to be a teacher. They are extremely underpaid and overworked, one hundred percent. That that it's needs true. to be clear. Um, yes. So yeah, in no way am I blaming the teachers. I want to be clear that each individual has a role to play. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, the system isn't built to support each of those individuals playing their roles. So what we're trying to do is create that system where all of these different people, the students, the parents, the educators, and the health professionals can collaborate and iterate their approaches accordingly, as opposed to fight with each other. So to your point, Diane, why is it that these fights occur and why is there conflict because the interests are misaligned. If you connect all these people and you do these four things where you're collecting the data about their behavioral, social, and academic progress, you are showing everybody that. And so everybody's now on the same page and understands that we may have different perspectives about where Timmy is currently in each of these three areas. But now I know what your perspective is and I know what your perspective is. And so if we bring these together, we can see where Timmy's teacher thinks we need to focus on behaviorally and where Sarah thinks we need to be focused on academically, right? And then collaboratively create goals for Timmy to eventually reach the goals that we've set. And we know eventually for us, that means that Timmy becomes successfully independent and that's like post getting a job and all of that. But in school, right, all of the the goals are set collaboratively and then we facilitate the communication between all of these parties, right?
1: Well, and I hear the vision for a, a common tool, a common format, that sort of thing. And I, and I want to take us back to the current. And I think it's a beautiful vision. And right now, underneath this all is this collaboration, right? So even in the shy of tools and technology and everything else, it's about collaboration. And what I know, and Elaine, you would say the same thing. There's some confusion about who should be in the lead on that, right? It's this sort of, ideally, when a kid's older, you want to have the kid in the center of that. But was, a lot of times- I was wondering parents,
0: where Tammy is in all this, yes. Timmy is
1: all in this, right? But the reality is, as parents, I think we underestimate what our role should be, right? It's this sort of, there's mm-hmm. a great article on our website that talks about, It actually, it's a, a video that you and I did, Elaine, about- teachers and about expectations around teachers and and just this challenge and so setting yourself up for success as a parent and saying you know what you're going to have to be in the lead on this and you're going to have to be the one that advocates and and coordinates potentially and and finding those teachers who get your kid and finding the administrator who has a hot minute to talk to you. I mean, all of that sort of thing. It really, sadly, not sadly, opportunity there is going to be on the parent. And so that takes us back to educating and supporting our parents, right?
2: Exactly. That's unfortunately the case now. And we're hoping that through this process, eventually, if this is something that can be used in every school district, because the parent is the person who is expected to be their child's first advocate today. And if the parent's not in the picture, it's very unlikely that that kid's going to get the help that they need. So it can't be on just them. We have to find a different way where all of these other systems, especially working the together. education system, yeah, is working, working together, together. And, and yeah. that is what we hold accountable for the success. It's not the individual parent.
0: So I know that I'm always the bearer of bad news, but but we really need to wrap up this conversation. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and you've said something, Diane, about like, we're not trying to demonize anyone here, right? There is a macro problem here that has to do with the supports and the structures and the systems that are or are not in place supporting complex kids. And this is about... <laughs> acknowledging that there is a systemic challenge here that you're doing some work to address. I think a lot of people in a lot of different ways are looking to address, and it's a, it's a really important conversation to be having. So I want to thank you for, for that. Adrian. tell people how they can find out more about you. I know we'll put it in the show notes, but, but what's the resource? I think you said it was smartcourse.io?
2: Yeah, so smartcourse.io is our general website. Uh, In particular for ADHD, it would be smartcourse.io slash ADHD-summit. Great.
0: So as we wrap this conversation up, what have we not hit on or what have we hit on that you want to reinforce? What's the message, particularly to parents, that you want them to take away
2: from today? So for parents, I would think, you know, let's just remember what, the purpose of an education system is. This is what I always go back to. This is what keeps me grounded towards like, eventually, hopefully solving this problem. The education system exists purely to ensure that people are able to live the lives that they want to live. It's supposed to equip them with those tools to do whatever they want. And so if these education systems can be Personalized, can focus on the right things, can solve the problems that are facing kids today and helping teachers and helping admins and helping parents and helping uh, health professionals. That is a realistic vision. That's a realistic future. But if we focus on things that are very much bogged down in the existing way the system has been set up, it's very difficult to change that because it's so ingrained. So I would focus primarily on keep doing your best job as a parent, right? Number one. And number two, don't worry so much about the middle school years. Don't worry so much about anything prior to that. Just focus on how can you empower and help your kids feel ready for the next steps and learn to self-advocate over time so that they can take the mantle and become successfully independent. Because that's ultimately what they're going to need. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So offline, maybe we can have another conversation about what the purpose of the education system is, because I'm going to take a stand for maybe having educated citizens <laughs> to participate yes. in, in our, yeah. you know, electoral yes. process. But but that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Agreed.
2: Agreed with that.
1: Awesome. Um, so as we close off, Adrian, it's been great to talk to you. Share a, your favorite motto or a quote or something that you want our audience to take away today.
2: So something that I learned a little bit outside of the, uh, it's it's not as relevant, but it has been helpful to me in in all areas of life is this is the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's not the hardest thing I'll ever do. Mm. And that's something that uh, has pushed me to go past these preconceived limitations of what, you think is possible, especially when I was starting smart course and everybody was saying, you know, you're never going to be able to change the education system. It's too big, it's too entrenched, et cetera, to push past that and try. And and that can apply anywhere. That's beautiful. I really love that. I think I'll share that with my kids.
0: (laughs) It's a good reminder. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's not going to be the hardest thing I ever do. It's really powerful. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Adrian. And how do we want to wrap it up, Blaine? Just to those of you listening, what we've really talked about today is is the complexity of, of what it takes to educate a complex kid. And you know, it's it, <laughs> I'm going to take what you just said, Adrian. It may feel like the hardest thing you've ever done to raise this kid and get them through. And Within the realm of what you're doing, like you make a difference. Everything you do, everything you've done up until now is the best you could do with what you had. And here you are now with more information. And when you know more, you'll do differently and move forward in a different way. And so you know, the invitation is to keep pushing through and keep trying to be the best parent you can to these complex kids. And as Adrian says, to empower them to live the life that they want to live, whatever that is for them. Exactly. Thanks, everybody. everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com podcast behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids for information about sanity school our training program for parents or teachers which has helped thousands of families around the globe visit impactparents.com sanity school